hello and welcome to the Super Beast podcast with Bergen Blake. We're here uh, today in the heart of reasonably sunny Sheffield um, to talk to you about all things current and interesting. So, uh, how, how have things been with you of late and Blake? Really good uh, month or whatever it is since uh, we last did one of these. Yeah, it's been good. Uh, autumn's definitely here. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent all morning listening to the leaf blowers next door, the gardeners just blowing leaves around and then when they got bored of that they started shoveling them, scraping their shovels along the ground to meet those leaves so. Nice Some good weather chat for you there Yeah, I had, a, I had a chap across the road from me that was proper like shouting across the road on his phone and it was really like proper woo 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 so I got a, a, a drill out and I made a really horrible screechy noise for a few minutes and, and he went inside and then then there wasn't any annoying noise after that That's nice, that should be an app Yeah <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was worth maybe us talking about the, a few of the different projects that we've been going lately because there's a few sort of changes yeah, going okay. in, in our life so like what sort of things you've been doing a bit more generally like the last sort of year or so really mm-hmm. um, well uh, I got engaged earlier this year so that was pretty exciting yeah uh, in Dubrovnik uh, in a sports bar alright so okay. you know best place for it really uh, I just yeah. thought you were a pretty sporty kind of yeah, guy That's yeah. kind of... I, I just said to myself I want to make sure there's some green stuff on the screen <laughs> happening with movement when I do this engagement and so yeah I managed to achieve that um, so yeah getting married next year so that's a lot of thinking about stuff and making invitations or whatever and yeah yeah pretty exciting I suppose how about you? Um, well we did all that the year before and mm. you know let me just say now nothing nothing can go wrong everything will be as smooth as um, well whatever idiom is more appropriate than uh, baby's backside mm. uh, nothing will go wrong it'll be totally happy we'll be stress free and yeah but will my dad sing everything I do at <laughs> like Brian Adams at my wedding reception because uh, I'm a bit jealous yeah it, that was good I really liked it when Chris did the, the low slide on the bass before it goes Boo! look into your heart and all that like, that, that was really good because he wasn't even due to, to play the bass he just grabbed it but yeah so like I've, I've moved to a new house um, where we're broadcasting from last time and been fixing a few things uh, last week I got in, got to put my car in my garage which is oh. quite nice fixed the old gate and there's an endless amount of jobs that I need to do but it's, it's a really beautiful house really enjoying um, like owning it mm. but the commute is walloping the heck out of me like getting up early getting the train and that mm. it's better for the environment it's, it's all good but like yeah it's getting out of bed and hauling yourself out in the dark it, it gets harder and harder but um, yeah totally love where I'm living Mm-hmm. Um, worth mentioning as well starting to do a new um, zine doing like this cartoon drawing zine um, where I draw pictures from gigs and yeah cartoons from the pit if you want to have a look that's on Facebook um, and we're going to get our first issue out shortly is that what it's called cartoons from the pit yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Did it? Did it? Did a few uh, at the gig we went to after we broadcast last time, like, um, and a few of the audience <laughs> got people drawing us. So that was quite good. I'll publish them. They're really nice, aren't they? Like just little tiny little handmade things about the size of like a mini CD or something. Yeah. Or like a mini disc or Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the smallest zines I've been involved in. That's um, yeah. It's just not getting done very fast <laughs> with my job and everything. I've written a, a novel over the last few years, so I need to do a bit of an edit of that too. So I'm hoping over half term 
can uh, take my proofs off on holiday with us and do a bit of like, improving that. Hopefully you can get that out later in the year or start next year. Do like you that. want to tell us a little bit about the novel or is it too soon to say? No, I'll say a little bit. It's, it's a science fiction novel. Um, it's set about 20 years in the future and it's just kind of looking at some projected changes um, of what society might what might happen to society uh, and it's kind of a, a bit of a kind of thriller story but with like psychological twists and sci-fi elements to it what, what, without spoiling anything what is your view of the future as written in the book is it quite sort of pessimistic or a mix it's a bit of a mix really yeah. it's like if you have to get to the heart of it technology exists for both good and evil and it's people's applications of it um, and we could be sleepwalking into really putting ourselves under a lot of surveillance um, but ultimately it seems like the more surveillance you're under the more potential there is for uh, for good things to happen if it's done right okay. but if it's done wrong it could be despotic and like really not very good and yeah we, we need to be need to be careful we're not um, going to totally undermine ourselves anyway um Shall we play our new jingle? Okay. <laughs> we just recorded. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty fresh. It's pretty fresh. We recorded it what, about 10 minutes ago or something. It's, it's very futuristic, I think. So let, let's go into I'd the say, future and, and yeah. listen to that. Super B. 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 All right, so um, you, do you want to play as a song then? Like, what have you been listening to? Uh, yeah, what's uh, yeah? I will do. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So I'm going to play a song. Uh, the first song I'm going to play is. Um, so last week I was trying to uh, think of, of bands that might uh, be okay with a bit of copyright infringement, and, and <laughs> this week I just thought, screw it, I'm just going to play whatever the, whatever I want. So so this song is. Uh, you let my tires down by an uh, Australian band called Tropical Fuckstorm. Um, my mate messaged me about this band a couple of weeks ago and just said, "You need to listen to this. Uh, it's really good, and it's the sort of music where if you're not in a band, just listening to it or watching them play live makes you want to be in a band, or at least it does for me anyway." Um, so yeah, this is called "You Let My Tires Down." Um, oh yeah, they are playing on the eighth of. November um, at Kentish Town in London, if anyone's in London and wants to go and see them. Um, so, yeah, Tropical Fuck Storm. Let's hear it. Yeah, baby's in Ramad right now. I should be there for a while. For the wounding of a rental car And I ran right in sunshine She's right there on CCTV Forgetting to take her medication But then Ruby says a lawyer will get The best deal that they can make Oh, but then I grew up around their family And they were such a bunch of losers The plea bargains is making everybody feel uptight. Yeah, 
yeah, tropical fuck storm for you though. Really enjoyed that nice sludgy kind of post-punk, like yeah. very nice. Yeah. All right, so um, I just I wanted to leave a little bit of time in the schedule list to do a few like clarifications or updates about the stuff we, we talked about last time, um, given a bit of time that's passed and like listening back to it, and yeah. if there's anything we wanted to add. So um, yeah, was was there anything that you wanted to sort of mention about your topic last last issue that you wanted to? Kind of- uh, the, the only thing I would say is that when I listened to what we said, I didn't. I said that the, that the UK have been trying to bring in a porn block, which which isn't actually accurate. They were they were just trying to bring in some age verification schemes, but ultimately the effect would be the same to to try and uh, yeah make people registered to access this stuff, which could lead into surveillance and also it's just not gonna uh, not gonna protect our kids as much as uh, I think the government initially were hoping. Okay. I wonder whether you, you, you could verify anyone's ID just from the fact that there's a camera facing you and saying that person is that old. But then again, that puts more power in, uh, well into the facial recognition software that's, I think, going to dictate our lives quite severely over the next sort of 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this more later, but it's just how comfortable do you feel sharing pictures of your face with whoever it is? In this case, I guess, like porn site gatekeepers I mean, <laughs> they can see your wanking yeah, face basically. yeah I mean that's it just doesn't yeah that, that would uh, oh. I'm not sure how comfortable some people would be that with that um, I mean the government uh, you could probably argue are even less trustworthy but who knows uh, yeah anyway that was that was oh, what I wanted to say yeah. about how about you well the, the bits on mine we were talking about like um, climate change and recycling and stuff and I mentioned um, a merit system that I think will come in I know they have in other countries where say for instance in Asia where you um, the more good things you do the more the state rewards you the more bad things you do the, the less sort of credence you have um, and I just mentioned last time it just mentioned it in terms of taxing people if they took too many flights and I thought that doesn't go into like you'd need to reward people for doing the right things basically mm. otherwise people wouldn't accept the change of system yeah so I think any merit based system is going to be based on carrot just as much as the stick probably more on the carrot really because you will want people to adopt the right habits and I feel like West has been making the last sort of six seven years a lot of efforts to like encourage the right habits from people mm-hmm. um, but if it's incentivized a little bit um, a little bit more it's going to be bad because I feel like at the moment the only people that are making these decisions are doing it voluntarily because they understand the issues whereas a lot of people are choosing or just being too ignorant to even think about the issues like yeah understanding them. the other bit that I wanted to mention well a couple of bits actually um, one from that war and plastics documentary one of the other things that was really interesting was it was more expensive to buy food that contained less packaging Mm-hmm. Um, so like there's a lot of single use plastics being used um, a lot of ready meal type things and um, you know I've, I've seen in, in trips to Asia that they're just ending up in rivers and they're thrown out in a single use plastic and yeah. it's not good it's going to last for like hundreds thousands of years And but like a lot of the supermarkets we got here they've been asked to use less packaging and I know there's issues to do with like the life of the product but the products that had less packaging cost more mm-hmm. like say you went to a refillable shop and you got like you, you just fill the jar, it costs more to do that than to buy it wrapped in a, a single piece mm. plastic. And for anyone that's on a budget, having to um, cut down on packaging was costing them more money. So, like, you know, why should they do it? That's why I mentioned a merit system. There's no merit in it. Is it just 
you're just going to do the cheapest thing because you're on a budget. Yeah, and until until it's more cost effective for the um, the retailers to, to supply stuff without packaging, then the government needs to step in and you know offer financial incentives yeah. to them to do that, um, so that so that the, the the food proliferates and then that's just the way people choose to do things. Um, and eventually, it'll get to the point where it is cheap enough. That it works out cheaper to supply it without packaging. So there was, there was one further thing that I noticed as well. Um, Charlotte, I, I don't. I really hate the, the political infighting on the left, and I'm sorry if I'm if, if what we're going to talk about is going to add to it a little bit. But um, it's just relating to Extinction Rebellion. Now, I, I want to start by saying that I think this has been a breath of fresh air having these kind of protests, the way in which they've been done, people leaving no trace afterwards raising the issues and, and um, I, I totally support what they're doing but some of the stuff that they say and how they present it has been a little bit um, difficult Like um, I just wanted to quote something that's on their website and on the pamphlet that she picked up at university mm. um, let me just zoom in a little bit sorry. Um, so I totally agree with the majority of stuff here but they've got this enormous inaccuracy um, in what they're saying we've entered a period of abrupt climate breakdown um, and I, I don't know. I absolutely think that we are in a climate emergency, like we talked last week. But I, mm. I think that they need to get their what they're saying correct in order to, to get the right people. We're in a period of abrupt climate breakdown, and we're in the midst of a mass extinction bigger and faster than the one that killed the dinosaurs. Mm. Um, so the industrial revolution, yeah, has been been going on quite a long time, and we've been polluting the rivers and things, and it's been on over over hundreds of years. And it has made a lot of difference, but. What killed the dinosaurs, I believe, was a massive uh, meteor asteroid around the Gulf of Mexico that set a large forest mm-hmm. fire that caused a tidal wave, the big dust cloud blacked out the sun, killed the plant life on it. It was one of the fastest mass extinctions that the world has ever seen. And, you know, in, in comparison to some of the other ones that killed more people when Pangentia had an enormous volcano, there was flood volcanism, killed 96% of the, the species on land. Um, the, the one that killed the dinosaurs 165 million years ago was relatively quick. And I would say, well, that you know they shouldn't really be saying that because it's inaccurate yeah yeah that that is just uh sensationalist yeah yeah you shouldn't lead with something that's untrue yeah if you want to convince someone of your point because you're saying i'm quite willing to lie to you i did mention last time that i just think certain propaganda is so one-sided that it's that it's not realistic which is why i kind of like stuff like simon reeves documentaries because he explores the complexity of both sides i just think it cheapens it by doing that Uh, who is bankrolling extinction rebellion anyway who's paying for greta (laughs) to get on boats and uh, sail around the world where does this money come from i think all sorts of people concerned about the environment there was um, Tom York donated a heck of a lot of money to it. Um, did you hear about this? Uh, I actually I bought their uh, mini disc thing, <laughs> which I think uh, yeah, like ten ten leaked mini discs, which I think they were giving all of the profits of that to extinction. Yeah. So it's me, it's me. I'm yeah, people like you. Uh, right, well, <laughs> so you you've got a stake in it. Yeah. You should you should be. Well, come on then, guys. Anyway, sorry if that sounded critical. Like I I do support your organisation, but just get it right. Um, they will be listening to this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, great. So let's have another song. Um, so uh, this is a, a band that I watched um, last year, really refreshing band. They're also from Dundee. Um, they're a band called The Overbites, contains members of Maxwell Dead, who were a really cool punk band. Um, and The Overbites, I think they were really refreshing. I was Cossack dancing with one of these guys down at the front like uh, after they played their set to another band and they're really good fun, really nice lads and this song is called TV One, two, three, four. 
I woke up this morning um, and was just having a bit of a lie in, and it I just it just popped into my head to uh, have a read of um, Adolf Hitler's Twitter, uh, uh, not Twitter, Wikipedia <laughs> page. Yeah, no, his, his Twitter page is quite uh, inactive these days, but he does have a good Wikipedia page. And uh, yeah, anyway, I was just sort of reading through it and going, oh yeah, demagogue, yeah, okay, yeah, that that sounds pretty familiar. Um, but one of the one of the things in there was that uh, that he was so, he was so uh, he considered training to be a priest at one point, uh, yeah. but he, but later on he was so good at public speaking uh, and could kind of whip the the crowds up into such a, a frenzy like uh, a sort of evangelical priest in, in the states or whatever that people would actually shit themselves <laughs> in the crowd. You have the note. Ding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The shit yourself. Yeah, I, I thought God. that was that was amazing. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. What, what's happening next? So um, I believe you had a topic you wanted to discuss. Um, so yes, do you want to tell us about that? I wanted to get off my face. So we've got a problem in this country with um, surveillance, specifically, but not limited to uh, CCTV cameras and all of the the sort of tracking that's possible it does so I think infamously the UK has more CCTV camera coverage than anywhere else in the world we've got 1% of the population and 20% of the world's CCTV cameras which seems a bit like overkill we, we don't just use these to sort of protect our property and uh, to protect the public at large but also we use automatic number plate recognition um, facial recognition all that kind of stuff which sort of addicted to just popping a camera on it and just thinking that that solves the problem without really thinking about what is happening to all of that all of those images that are being captured and maybe and, and the sort of uh, implications or the potential misuse of that yeah. information as it's collected um, and in a world where we've got things like the new European uh, GDPR legislation which is all very much about people having control of their data, personal data and consent and, and opting into consenting for things we've got this extremely personal data of people's faces and potentially emotions and all that kind of stuff uh, is being collected and processed by who knows Basically, who knows? Who can buy it? Who can afford it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and it just—it seems like, I guess, like you're going to cover off in your novel at some point. But the kind of the applications of this of the technology um, and the insidious kind of implications of what of the potential just concern me, and I think should be should concern other people. I travel to London a lot for work, and if you are listening to this podcast now and you're standing out in the street somewhere in London, just stop and have a look around and count how many cameras are pointing at you or pointing at the street that you're walking down because it'll probably freak you out. Um, I've been doing it this week. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. Just initially, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Have you obviously given it some thought? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, you've got the, the microphones recording on devices. You've got cameras going um, and a lot of young people think, yeah, this this is going to keep us safe, and to an extent, it could be used for that. It, I think technology exists for both good and evil, um, but usually, it's it's going to exist for money. It's going to exist for people to to manipulate and to make money. And I think we're we're in a situation where it's getting a little bit uncanny sometimes um, how we're being marketed to, and it's effective, but it's also you know it seems a bit out of control. One of the things that the first thing I start thinking when you're talking about that is 
is the this ability to fake images as well. That's you know you, everyone's posting photos of them like next to someone who looks like their granddad, and it's they put like a filter on it, mm. and that's incredibly realistic and Deep incredibly fakes. simple to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, that stuff concerns me a lot because, I mean. You know, you can manipulate current images, add people there that weren't there. You could give someone an alibi, potentially, um, you know, just quite easily. You could, you could change people's age. You could change the, the nice smiling face into a very insidious face. You know, I can't even fully get my head around thinking of, of the misuses of that. Basically, at the moment, there's no uh, government policy or oversight on how the police and law enforcement can use uh, facial recognition. Um, there was supposed to be some policy uh, brought in around about three years ago, but some other topic uh, has kind of trumped <laughs> that, and so uh, nothing's <laughs> nice. happened. And so while that's been going on, while there's been that kind of policy vacuum, yeah. uh, the police have just been uh, quite aggressively like rolling this stuff out. Um, South Wales Police now have an app um, that the police officers have on their phones that they carry around, and if they suspect somebody, you know, if they, they apprehend someone, they can take a picture on their phone, and it'll run it against the database, and then they'll get a positive or, or negative right there and then, so they can immediately arrest someone, which seems like a powerful tool. But yeah. uh, there was there was some some reminds me of like it was in Iceland the other day, and the security guard was wearing this camera. It says, "I am wearing CCTV," so he's like angling his chest towards me. Oh, yeah. is the guy like? You know, is he like me? Like, oh no, no, he's got a camera. He wants to get my face. Mm. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, you know. Um, but then I was thinking again to back to 2007 when the police were doing that. A couple of people had brought camcorders out and they mm. were pointing towards the police when they mm. do these things. The cameras got smashed, got confiscated. The, the, the people weren't allowed to take that footage. And nowadays it's like the, the you know the, the new batons that I was looking at how they're designed to really whack into an iPhone. You could, oh, you could okay, destroy yeah. an iPhone yeah. pretty quick. But yet the police are going around taping themselves, and that's admissible evidence. And then it's like that's not admissible evidence. Sorry, I want to smash my phone. <laughs> that's not admissible evidence. Ours is admissible evidence. And I just like uh, yeah, wonder if there's that very real hegemony or like you know just violence towards capture sources that are desirable or, or not, not desirable and you know we, we've all in our jobs probably had to make applications that we're arguing things that we perhaps it's not 100% truth we, we're exaggerating things in order to get um, a result and mm. I think sometimes legal, that happens in law that happens I can see that happens in the police but yeah how fair is it and you know how much do, again do these deep fakes might come in if you just made a little adjustment yeah. to make it seem right I think that it's not out of the realms of possibility that a police officer would adjust something to just change a face. They weren't there, yeah. you know, or they were there, or whatever, and, and they get them off the streets. And there's one one less um, suspected drug addict, or you know, whatever. And that's like the malicious application of it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, you know, how, it, do you actually trust these systems to function flawlessly all the time? Anyway, like, you know, how many times? To, you know, just recording this podcast today, I had to restart that laptop about three times <laughs> just to get. Garage band working. So, like, you know, can you just put your faith blindly in technology and just let it go and run in the background and, and sort of deal with their law and order for us? It, yeah, it, probably not. No, probably. But not. we are in a very data-driven environment, and so it will it will proliferate and it proliferate and it will you know continue to be really important and probably the merit by what a lot of things are judged. Where's your evidence? Well, I can, mm-hmm. Um, Good or evil, it exists. We were talking earlier about sort of news this week. Um, one of the news articles that I'd seen was that Apple had uh, approved and then uh, pulled and then approved and now they've pulled it again. Uh, this uh, HK Mac Live app from the uh, Apple I, I, um, 
app store uh, that lets Hong Kong citizens see where there are large congregations of police and where protests and violence are happening uh, essentially so that they can avoid those areas and not get dragged into it Um, and the Chinese government and local law enforcement are sort of arguing that the app is helping uh, the riots because people can go and riot where there's no police and their their argument was that that it enables individual police officers to be targeted with violence which is actually kind of the opposite of what it does because it shows you where it doesn't show you individual people it shows you clusters of police Um, so anyway they have to make some sort of argument so they could act against it yeah exactly yeah and so uh, Apple have pulled the pulled the app again, but all it does is just aggregate information that's c- collected from Twitter and WhatsApp and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so legally, you would imagine they should have to pull those apps as well. So yeah, I don't know. But the point is, it's one thing here in the UK, but in more authoritarian yeah. parts of the world, uh, the application is yeah, well, not it's much more insidious. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. And of course, it all, for me, it always comes back to thinking of like our childhood in Darlington, in in the northeast of England, just being able to kind of do what we want and just make the right judgment. Like um, me and my friend used to go and fl- like climb over the wall to the hospital that was behind his house, climb over the turnstile, and then just fly like bottle rockets in the hospital car park and <laughs> patients would like watch out of the windows and stuff and you know no one, no one got hurt nothing bad happened but you know you might get chased from a security guard if you were if you were lucky but uh, I guess now everything's Darlow was apparently it was one of the places that a lot of these early CCTV camera, oh, yeah. camera was, was implemented it was like it was one of the, the, the we were the guinea pigs really for that yeah. sort of technology like when it was first coming out yeah yeah. How, how well it helped uh, our friend Rob when uh, he got his jaw broken that time. The camera was out of focus. Didn't was get it? Anything, yeah. So, yeah, I guess ultimately uh, we'll just wrap this up by saying, I mean, do you feel safer knowing that you and everyone else's faces are being checked constantly as you walk down the street um, or going in and out of shops and pubs and hospitals? And do you trust the people running these systems and the AI, AIs um, not to make mistakes or not to be financially manipulated um, for other purposes? Uh, Short answer, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a, a kind of deep mistrust of what's going to happen and, and how effectively it's happening and, and all sorts of things being recorded that we don't want and classified that we don't understand. And I think that the computer is going to be doing them in ways that some humans probably won't even be able to get their head around at this point and that's going to get better but yes it can keep us safe I get the feeling like when you walk in a security point and you get cameraed and you know you go through the thing it's kind of it feels a bit like the situation where you're getting an injection an inoculation and they're rounding up all the bad cells and they're saying these all need to be checked and then we're going to create the antibodies and it feels very much like um, humans being like you know like a blood work or something like that going through a system and it's thorough um, you know we're going to have to get used to it because it's there and it's going to exist for good or for evil but like you say we need to make sure that we're thinking about it logically and, and um, making sure that we're making the right changes to the laws to protect ourselves uh, what's yeah. your, what are your thoughts? It, I think just like like anything um, it needs some sort of independent oversight um, and at the moment there's nothing like that cool that's all I've got to say on that oh right so um <laughs> 
Yeah, I thought we'd try and do a little bit of a, a bit of a vote here, you know, like how our votes kind of made our country hate each other for ages. I thought, I used to think that um, referendums were a good idea. Maybe they still are. Maybe they should just explain it properly. But I'm going to explain this properly. We got two jingles, the one that we played you today and the one we did last week. And we need you to decide which is better, or indeed, if you hate them both. I think we'll make maybe a third option for that they're both mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, make a new one. I mean, we probably will make one every episode. I'd, I'd like to. Jingle one, jingle two, bury them both. Yeah. That'll be the options. Well, I don't know about burying them because, like, you know, they're funny. <laughs> think I, think, I think they're a little bit funny, you know. Okay, like, yeah. uh, you know, like. Anyway, uh, so we're going to play both jingles. That we're gonna, we'll, we'll start with our, our, our last episode's one, the one that we recorded kind of live uh, with the, the instruments. Uh, so we'll play that first and then we'll play the one we made today and you can tell us if you like one jingle A jingle B or you hate them both okay so so should we roll the the first one the one from last week yeah let's have that now oink oink super Super beast Alright, so that's that's jingle A, and uh, should we hear now against the, um, our futuristic jingle B? Super B. Super B. Super B. Super B. Super B. Super B. So that was jingle B. So option jingle, well, option C is that they both suck. Uh, stop making them, or no, not even stop making them, they both suck. Yeah. Because yeah. we're not going to stop That's making not an it. Yeah, but no, you are no. going to hear more awful music from. Me. Yeah, I, I think I like the first one a bit more. Maybe it's because I haven't heard it as much, but it had that rawness about it that I, I think I respond to. There's something about the first one that it reminds me of. Oh God, I want to say like a Grammarly advert off YouTube or something. Like just that guitar sound. That there's some sort of. Uh, uh, yeah, horrendous advert that gets played everywhere. That's, that's just the one chord that's the same. Anyway, so like our quote could be a super beast podcast jingle, like a horrendous advert. There you go. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. So where, where's that poll going to be? Where's the vote going to be? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good call. So yeah, we'll, we'll try and put it from all different angles, really. So I'll put a poll on Facebook. If you if you find super beast podcast group, you can like us there and you can vote. All right, so should we move on to, to my topic for uh, the day? Or if got... we must. Yeah, okay. Let's do it, yeah. I'm ready. Right. I wanted to look at um, the idea of university and false economies. Um, so I started thinking about this stuff, um, the, the kind of um, academy within a college where I work. Uh, we took our kids um, very near the start of term to one of the, the universities, and to have a look around, give them an idea what, what university life's like, and they did some seminars, did some work, talked about what it was like, looked around the union, like showed them the, the, the accommodation, talked about the financial aspects, um, which was, well, that was, that was interesting. It started making me think about um, what options we're offering to people and what the psychological conditions are coming from that. So we, the, the, the current government's kind of passed the laws that say that... Um, you know, you've got to be in education to the year 18, of some form or another. Uh, and before you join the big wide world, at our age, you know, you could you could probably, you could leave school at 16, you could get a job. So, you know, it's, it's an extra two years they've said you've got to be in education. But you kind of, your options have been um, narrowed really to, well, no, it, they haven't been narrowed, but they, the prescribed options are less. 
uh, well, are a little bit contrived and all seem to lead to someone getting in, basically being owned by someone else or being in debt to someone else. Mm. So, like, say you leave you leave college or you leave, you know, your, your apprenticeship or, or you leave what you've been doing, your training course at 18, uh, and your option seems to be either, like, go to university, um, three times £9,000 payments plus your living costs plus, you know, the debt that you're going to accrue from that. And they showed the kids this figure that was something along the lines of, you know, you're going to be minus £56,000 in the red if you if you choose option one. Right. It's like, wow, okay. And then, you know, we got told it was an interest-free loan. Subsequently, it wasn't an interest-free loan. You know, they, it's a monopoly, the government monopoly, really, where they own everyone's debts. So you can write them off if you don't own above a certain threshold. Is it like is it 27000 a year or something like that? 27 or 28, yeah. 28. Okay, so you don't have to pay this debt back. But the reason how they were selling university to the kids was if you got university, you're able to earn a higher wage mm. if you earn a higher wage you're going to have to pay the money back it's this kind of toxic debt and well it's, it's, it's a kind of you know what sort of options have you got there you, you're kind of going to be owned by the fact that you're in debt if, or you're going to not want to go over a certain threshold in terms of your, your employment status and yeah I just think there's an inherent kind of contradiction there in, in what we're telling people to do when they become an adult it's like you know, in, in a past society, it might have been well done. You're an adult. You, you passed the test of man or womanhood. Go out in the world and find out your, your niche and be that thing. You know, be free in the world to do that. Mm. And now it's like, no, you're going to be owned by one of these situations. And that is what is normal. That is what happened to me and what happened to a lesser extent to my parents. And yeah, what, what, what a situation. Like, um, or you could have work, apprenticeship, and internship. Maybe starting a business. Maybe owning property or going to the army. It really seem to be the, the the kind of the other options. Whiz through those really fast in contrast to uni. Um, but either one of them, you know, you could have an, an apprenticeship where you pretty much owned owned by the person that's doing it. Whether it's a good one or you might be learning a really useful skill and earning some money as you're doing it. Go straight into work. You might not be able to like rise that quickly unless you educate yourself in your free time. Um, and did open courses and night courses and things. Your internship, yeah, you, you're going to work for nothing or very little. You're going to get a skill, and then if they need you, they'll, they'll keep you on, or you can take the skills elsewhere, start your own business. Obviously, there's a lot of difficulties there. If, if, if you need to be sick or if you don't earn enough or if you can't afford to pay people, take people on. It's a financial risk. could be massively stressful. Property might actually be the best one of those. If you've got enough money to own and started to get more properties and let them out and learn about doing them up, that could actually be perhaps the best thing. But the or the end, army, you know, you, yeah. they literally own you. Like, anyway, sorry, you blabbed a bit there. Like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, it's, a, it's an age-old problem really isn't it I mean student debt is at a ridiculously high level now but it's not it's not a new thing um, you know we I, I paid my student loan back eventually but it took took long enough um, and yeah our parents did the same um, but yeah I just what you were saying there about getting into property is a fantastic idea but mm. the, uh, the 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 entry into that is, yeah. is the sort of money that you need to have yeah Mum and dad need to uh, give you a helping hand onto that. Yeah, or a big loan. Yeah, I suppose you don't get something for nothing in the world. No. Like, but I just, I just feel like there's got to be. I think if I was a young person hitting that sort of stage, I wouldn't necessarily have the the intelligence or the emotional like knowledge to to make that call like particularly well. And even with the advice they're getting. 
I'm not sure how well we could do it. It's like the idea of pretty much your own through your entire life, which like going back to people who have less of a stake in the system where they say it's wrong and it shouldn't be like this, they haven't rolled up such a high stake in it. They've not paid their taxes that long. They've not paid their mortgage that long and they have less to gain. So they say, yeah, let's shake it up, but we all need to be radical. And perhaps... Um, like the people that are more owned but are getting things more how they want them after a period of time, they're, they're becoming a bit more moderate and want to keep things as they are, but like freedom, pure and simple, just doesn't seem to doesn't seem to exist in, in, a, in that sort of context. You have the freedom to do what you want, but you, you're owned really by one thing or another. Would you, but would you say that that's a, a more of a contemporary issue? I mean, hasn't that always been the case to some extent in, in developed countries or in in this part of the world yes but I think that the sums involved or the stakes involved have raised mm. um, I just see it seems to unless you've got a massive donor you are going to be in debt the rest of your life one way or another mm-hmm. or working through that and I just think that that's that's not a really psychologically good situation where you think about like the mental health issues that can develop from mm. from kind of being trapped in situations that aren't good for you like are we just saying when you're 18 you're going to develop this enormous you know unless you're jolly and you get through it you're going to develop this like millstone on a debt and burden one way or another no matter how you do it and good luck with coping with it here's the rest of your life yeah. yay <laughs> Yeah, it seems it seems like there is there is a lot of pressure on young people to, to like you say, to, to choose between these these kind of th- four kind of career paths, isn't there? One of which is going to university. And there's a lot of pressure put on you to make a decision at that point, and that it, and it and it feels so big, doesn't it? It feels like if I don't go to university now, well, I'll never go at any other point in my life. So I better choose wisely and yeah. and, and have that experience and. Yeah, and then there's peer pressure from your friends as well. Um, and ultimately, when you get through that part of your life and you're 25 or you're 30 or whatever, and you look back and you think, well, you realise that it wasn't, that the pressure was just something that was put on you and, and that you could do that stuff at any point in your life. You could go and work for a little bit and get some experience there. You could volunteer or you could do whatever you want to do and then find what it is that you want to do. And that, that would be a much more... Um, reasonable thing to do and, and then you would stand a much better chance of finding uh, something that works for you. I, I think that after after college, so, so for me personally, I, I changed colleges halfway through my A-levels so I ended up spending three years on my A-levels because I had to start again and, okay. um, and so by the time I got to university I'd been kind of in like secondary education for three years already mm-hmm. I got to university and I just wasn't interested anymore, kind of wanted to do something else and not study anymore and not do all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so I just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible and really didn't take it seriously or put any effort in or whatever. And I was glad when I left and could just get a job and yeah. sort, of, sort of start finding my way in the world, even if that job was selling calculators in a <laughs> stationery shop or whatever. It was, you know, it was the beginning of, of something. And, um, Ultimately, I was able to turn that into something that I could build a career on, which was uh, fortunate. But uh, yeah, I just looking back now, I, I, it would have been great if there'd been somebody at that point that could communicate to you the, the fact that the, what the choices are and the fact that although you've got these choices, you can pick any of them. Yeah, just pick combinations. Any, yeah, whatever feels right to you, just pick whichever one you want and then see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, pick the next one.
don't you, you know, and work through it that way. But I worry a bit as well, and you know, my wife Charlotte works in secondary education, and, and she's like saying some courses really aren't giving people the skills to join the workforce. They're, they're coming out of uni and they've really done nothing, mm. nothing to offer an employer other than like the theory. They've packed themselves full of theory, but it's no practice. Yeah, and. Like when school courses, I mean, schools are getting more bought by private institutions and they're kind of, you know, I don't know how much that is meaning that they're being trained to work in certain industries and whatnot. And that varies perhaps to a great degree depending on the course. But um, are they getting the correct mix of theory and like work and real life and keeping it real and theoretical? And because I think people need to be educating themselves and. I don't know, I just worry that we're churning out certain people that we're like, uh, get some Shakespeare, have, have loads of Shakespeare, it's double weighted, no, we've got to give you lots of math lessons, it's double weighted, and then after that it's kind of like, ah, oh, it's university, just take it easy, you don't need to do anything, pay your money, go to the bar, mm-hmm. that's fine, don't really need to learn that much, and then come the end of it going, great, uh, massive debt, got no work experience, and then, you know, you're selling calculators or you're inputting data or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, do we ever just, it just, it'd just be nice to finish and go, you're a man, you're a woman, go, be free into the world, learn, do things, interact. and. But do, so this, th- that kind of leads me on to two things. And like the first one is like some people, some people aren't ready to, don't know themselves well enough to know what they want to do. I'm not sure I did back then. Mm, and no. university just seemed like, oh, okay, then yeah, a little bit more of a sort of steer towards something because I don't know what I want to do. And there's, the, you know, there's so many possibilities out there. It's impossible to kind of put your finger on something unless you've got like that kind of, uh, I don't know, vocation that that's kind of, yeah, in the back of your head. So yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to know yourself at that age, I think, and know what you want to do. Um, and I mean, I was th- just thinking about this when I was driving down here, actually, and thinking at what point in this day and age does adulthood start? Oh, later and later, we're juvenile for longer, I think. Yeah, I mean, like I was really immature, and I, I don't know. I, I think like maybe sort of twenty-five or something. I sort of started yeah, to growing and you take you responsibility are. for myself. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know whether that has gotten worse over the last, I don't know, whatever it is, 15 years. My major thing is from this, that the major sort of thing that's been churning my head is that you don't ever really, you don't have a period of freedom that long in your life. And, and does freedom really mean anything if it isn't opposed or related to something? Mm. But like, really, you're sending people into the world, world with a big millstone one way or another, and it's just which one it is, really. Unless you unless you're rich, mm. in which case don't worry about it, you know. And, yeah. and therefore you're saying it's unfair. And now there's bursaries. They never mentioned bursaries on this university trip. And like kind of saying to the poorer kids, you know, there are bursaries. You mm. can get funding for, for to go to university. I think that a very intelligent decision needs to be made around that age. But the, the people aren't really in the position to to make that decision. And you know, having a bit of time to contemplate, um, I think is. It's kind of really important. Mm. Before making that financial commitment to nine grand a year yeah. debt uh, that, that you're just going to start incurring, it, yeah, it does seem like of all of the options, university seems the sort of safest one, but it's also ridiculously burdensome in that yeah. way. And yeah, you just need a break before that. Um, a long period of contemplation, like not just August 23rd, here you go, cash <laughs> yeah. clearing cycle, get it sorted within an hour, tears, like phone calls, bang, you've made your choice. That's that's not the right way. Yeah. 
But yeah, as, and I suppose we're, we're talking from very, very much from a sort of white middle class yeah. uh, point of view, and, and different cultures put different pressures on the the sort of young generation uh, to do to go down different paths or to achieve certain things at certain points and you know, marriage at certain ages and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And there's all those different pressures. Um, so some sort of forced or recommended kind of break to just yeah. to find yourself a bit more uh, it does sound very middle class but I don't think you'd need two years no I think that's that's too long too long yeah I just think you'd need actual the the ability to think for a, for a period of time it could be like a month or even less a month that okay you, you can sort I think yeah if you had if you had less things to worry about during that and you had more chance to try things yeah then I think you wouldn't need such a long period I think compared to my topic last uh show it's very first world like um and i think a lot of people have a lot more things to worry about and don't necessarily have the freedom because their environment is wrecked and it's wrong and they don't have any of those options but i think mental health's been a big buzzword the last few years we had like national mental health day earlier this this yeah. week and uh, i think that we're putting people in a situation of strain by making them make a very important decision um, quickly and, and I don't think there's a really obvious way through that I think you need to be quite clever to, to navigate through that I wanted to lead into another song from this um, this is from a a Welsh artist by the name of EFA Supertramp um, she's a really good singer um, and she plays acoustic guitar goes around doing these sort of uh, shows I should mention as well that she makes these fantastic fanzines or edits these massively really interesting fanzines that give you perspective around Europe and the world she's travelled a lot on her own with a guitar as quite a young person mm-hmm. and the song in question she's thinking about these sort of issues of when you get to that sort of age and um, yeah I, maybe the lyrics will, will kind of uh, kind of linked to what we've been talking about I think um, so yeah this is um, called I Could Be Free by EFA Supertramp Well I don't know what's most depressing working on to five just killing your mind or killing your time
from another song I listened to lately like that was said how can you know your neighbour if you don't know who you are and that that struck me as very significant too like that you've got to make these big decisions where you're still learning who you are and I watch so many young people being confused about their, even their own identity what they need to be trying at you try to convince them to try the things that you know should be important for them and they don't care about it then they just want whatever's emotionally in their in their mind or heart and you know sometimes what's wrong with that and yeah it's that difficulty between joining the the rat race and um yeah just just actually being happy like, i think she's she's summed up pretty well there. but yeah really great yeah face super tramp and make more fanzines if you listen to this your fanzines are absolutely amazing uh, i'd love love to read some more of them yeah well you've got your instructions Sorry, I keep talking directly to people that they'll give a shit about yeah, such a such a thing. Although it's worth mentioning that we have we have uh, got on uh, Wolverton FM in the Isle of Wight. Apparently, they they played our oh, podcast yeah. on Tuesday, just gone. So, you know, I don't know if we're big in in white. Is that what they call it? Now? I don't even know. Like, uh, but hello, if you're listening in the Isle of Wight, like, thanks yeah. for listening to us talk. Blubber. Do you want to tell us about some films that you've watched? I can like, tell you about some films. That would be amazing because I'm so ignorant that I barely go out at the moment sorting my house out it'd be great to hear about the movies Hollywood alright or whatever you've been watching well so I watched three films this week congratulations thanks so the first one I was going to talk about was uh, Joker the the new film about the uh, DC Comics character Joker Um, went to see this last weekend I'm not really into these uh, superhero films or comic book films at all Um, like all the Marvel films and the DC films don't really do anything for me as a genre the superhero thing has been absolutely rinsed it hasn't it seems like from every angle but you know there's always a well yeah well here we go with a with a fresh one um, so anti-hero <laughs> kind of angle it seems from the marketing like yeah yeah definitely um, so so yeah th- this is very much not a Marvel film it's definitely something else it's inspired by and uh, you know it's sort of influenced by and uh, and kind of tries to tap into those kind of 70s uh, gritty thrillers the Scorsese ones um, Taxi Driver and um, King of Comedy in particular. Um, so it tells the story of uh, a downtrodden and mentally unstable clown for hire called Arthur Fleck, uh, <laughs> who's living with his mum and he's struggling to hold down a job and society around him is kind of prodding him and poking him and his mental health issues are not being uh, adequately um, cared for by um, the uh, or, you know, the people around him and in fact he's doing the caring for his uh, infirm mum wow. uh, and so, so so yeah we pick up the story with him he uh, loses uh, another job and slowly we sort of we watch him disintegrate uh, kind of mentally uh, across the 
the course of the film. Um, anyway, I want, there's probably not much more you need to, to, to know about it than that. Everybody knows who the Joker character is from yeah. like the Chris Nolan Dark Knight films or from the, the TV series that was on or Jack Nicholson. Or I like the backstory there though, like you know, getting an insight into how society has made people into like an enemy. I think that's an important narrative and links to you know to some of the stuff we talked about. <laughs> Yeah, well, exactly. The film is really good at kind of like prodding at sort of interesting topics and issues that are current, like austerity, sort of mental health care, cutbacks and that kind of stuff. It does sort of like touch on all of that stuff um, and it, and does it in an interesting way. It does, I'm not sure how deep under the skin of any of these things that it gets, but it does kind of highlight them and show you how a then comic book uh, anti-hero could be created. <laughs> Through, through this stuff. Um, anyway, to say that the film is tense is kind of an understatement. The first like hour is just incredibly tense because Joaquin Phoenix is like, inhabits the character so much that he's got this kind of laughing, crying kind of superposition on his face and he's absolutely nailed it. And you just don't know, is he laughing, is he crying? You don't know which way it's going to go. And that's kind of a good analogy for the for the film itself, definitely for the first hour, um, you know, really kind of, you just don't know where it's going to go and, and how how bad it's going to get. Mm. Um, I suppose ultimately you know where the character's headed because you've seen the other films and you know, you sort of know the lore a little bit. Um, but it, but yeah, it's it's really good. I was about 45 minutes in, I was kind of sitting there uh, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, this is this is pretty good actually, but I'm not sure I'll, I'll ever need to see it again. But <laughs> by the end of the film, that had changed, and I was like, actually, yeah, no, this was it, 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 the the tension was worth it because um, it, ultimately it does lead to a very violent uh, character sort of. His first sort of, his first outburst of violence is kind of sort of uh, there's kind of a moralistic grounding to it. You can sort of see how it happens, um, you know how it comes about and how he might uh, end up injuring some people, um, some other not very nice people, you know, pissheads basically. Yeah, yeah. And you can sort of see how that happens, but then things escalate and he ends up doing things to his friends and to his family uh, that you know, there's no justification for, and so that, that's kind of where it heads. Anyway. It's really stylish, really well paced. Um, like that tension just builds and builds and builds. And um, his central performance is amazing. He, he starts off. Um, he's always kind of doing this like dancing, and and then at this, towards the beginning of the film, he's doing his dancing, and it's it's kind of pathetic and sort of like me dancing essentially. <laughs> uh, and as the film goes on, and as he becomes the, this character, uh, his dancing gets better and better. Uh, and towards the end of the film, there's this incredible like. Routine, like dance oh, like routine, a good dance routine on some steps. Yeah, it's it was, uh, it just it's quite sort of a, an arresting visual thing to watch, yeah. and, and it's worth it just for that kind of stuff. Joaquin Phoenix, um, he's sort of he's done this character, or he's done versions of this character before. Um, so there's a film called I'm Still Here where he actually plays himself, and he goes on talk shows, he's on Letterman, like pretending that he's become a rapper, <laughs> uh, and it's really awkward. And uh, yeah, anyway, and then there's <coughs> excuse me. There's another film, uh, just last year, Lynn Rams- Lynn Ramsey film called uh, You Were Never Really Here, where he's a kind of hitman, uh, sort of really emotionally repressed hitman. And, and so he's kind of like draws on both of those performances and, and puts it all into this. And it's just really uh, magnetic to watch. Like everything that, every time he's on screen, you just can't look away, which is what you want from a film like this. Um, 
The problem there is one problem with the film, um, but this, this might not be lack of cap uh, camp zap pal splat like you've got it. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, because oh, that's that's what I love about uh, the the original Batman's. They're uh, awesome. For I that. wanted some words on the screen, and I wanted some CGI. Mon- no, no, that's not what it was. Actually, what it was was that it wears its influences so much on its sleeve. Um, referencing, like there's a scene where he's dancing with a gun that's kind of just referencing the you talking to me scene from Taxi Driver mm-hmm. uh, and there's there's other scenes like that, there's kind of this uh, sort of hand gesture that he does or that another character does and then he does as well, which again just rips straight out of Taxi Driver and every time something like that happened on screen uh, Robert De Niro was in it as well to kind of connect the dots I suppose but every time something like that happened it just kind of took me out of it and I just thought oh yeah. okay I'm watching a, an homage to those kind of 70s yeah. films and too heavy on the signifiers yeah I, it, there's enough there's enough there's a fantastic performance and an interesting character and like the story is is it's good. Everything's there. It doesn't need those kind of things and so that that kind of uh, those references kind of put me off a little bit but if you haven't seen those films or you're not interested in, in that, you know, that kind of stuff. Or you weren't born. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you, basically, if you don't get the references, they're going to go over your head, and you can just enjoy the film. And maybe that's the way to see it. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What other films have you been? Okay, so watching? the next one, 45 minute long documentary uh, called North of the Sun, uh, came out in 2012, uh, and this is about two Norwegian youths. I was gonna, I was gonna write kids, but they're like 22, 23. Again, I don't really know when adulthood starts these days, so mm. let's just call them youths. Anyway, they find uh, this isolated beach uh, in the Arctic Circle. Uh, they're big into surfing. It's a, it's a surfing film, really. Uh, and so they find this uh, isolated beach, uh, remote, um, but they, you know, they sort of fall in love with it, and so they set their sights on going up to the beach uh, and living there for nine months through the winter. So building out of driftwood from the beach, a, a cabin on the beach, and then living there through the winter and then surfing in the Arctic kind of winter days, which are, you know, 45 minutes of daylight and then just the oh, rest wow. of the night. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a really... Uh, oh, yeah, the other thing is that they're going to live exclusively off um, out-of-date food, which the shops give them for free. If you go into the shop and you find something that's out-of-date, you'll get it for free. So, so that's their plan. They're going to build a shack. They're going to live on this beach nine months with out-of-date food. Anyway, it's 45 minutes long. They build the shack. It doesn't look much from the outside, but inside it's beautiful and it's, it's full of stuff. There's a few things about this documentary which don't quite add up. Like, I'm not sure how honest it is because considering it's supposed to have been filmed by the two of them, there's definitely three people there at some point. So there's definitely a third person filming it. So... There's a little bit of trickery going on, but seeing them build the shack is just really satisfying. Anyway, they make uh, like a wheelbarrow out of uh, some like uh, boys and a crate, and then they start cleaning up the beach. They clean up all the, the plastic and the waste that gets. Is there a lot of that in the Arctic in this documentary? Four tons. Flip. That's how much they collect, and uh, and yeah, they collect four tons of waste and they get it taken off the beach as well which is that's yeah. it that's just good that they've done that but oh gosh it's awful to think how much ends up yeah so it's 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 kind of interesting to see them surfing I'm not really into surfing but it's that's kind of interesting but more so just them surviving and living in the space doing all of that stuff and, and having all of these skills at those ages as well like you know in the, in the frozen winter they have to go and find fresh water and stuff and the way you know they just sort of go off and do it and it's it's just amazing watching kind of learning from somebody and sort of wondering how they've got these skills at such a young age 
Uh, I think like living by the sea is one of the freest things. Like you know, you get your your meals from um, the sea. You can you can surf and ride the waves, and yeah, I think provided there's not big like tsunamis and sea level rises and like the amount of plastic and rubbish that's coming out. I think that is the closest ideal to free, like fishing, sorting mm. out your boats, playing music, and living by the ocean is probably the most free existence I can imagine. Yeah. So, but like, yeah, them doing it in the Arctic is something else, and that sounds a really worthy subject for documentary. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's beautifully shot. Uh, they're into, um, uh, is it, what do you call it? You know, where you sort of hop into a pod and you have a parachute, is it like paragliding, where you just jump off a hillside and kind of well, I don't know what uh, that's called but well anyway. flying squirrely uh, yeah like yeah they do they do a fit, uh, not a squirrel suit but oh, like, right, yeah right. With, with like a parachute but anyway they do, uh, they yeah. do some of that it's just para something para, yeah um, it's not parasailing or paragliding I'm not yeah, sure which let's yeah maybe. anyway they do some of that uh, it's 45 minutes long uh, you can rent it on iTunes it's called North of the Sun and I would recommend it it leaves a smile on your face at the end so yeah, thought that was good. All right, so you've made like a Spotify playlist of songs we've played on the show. Um, so if I mean, we're not trying to advertise Spotify, like, but if the songs are on there, we'll stick them on this playlist if we played them. So, how do people find that playlist? Uh, yeah, good question. Yeah, so uh, we'll tweet it. That's possible, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll also put it on Facebook as well, and so mm-hmm. you can follow the playlist, and we'll add the songs every uh, every time as we play them so you can cool. yeah. what if the songs aren't on Spotify if the songs aren't on Spotify uh, yeah. uh, I'll either put a different version of that song on or we'll just put something else on that will delight you in a similar way just while we're on the topic of playlists uh, the this podcast that you're listening to now is now available on uh, well it's on Spotify um, which is maybe how you listen to it it's also on uh, Apple Podcasts it's like basically it's on all the podcast platforms which is terrifying um, so if you're just casually listening uh, why don't you go and subscribe and then one of these will get dropped into your podcast wallet every time you uh, every time there's a new one out which will be nice nice Right, so um, in conclusion, this episode, what what do you feel like uh, you you've learned? Well, I mean, we've we've fixed uh, the UK's obsession with surveillance. Okay, that's yeah. sorted. Uh, don't need to worry about that now. We've we've definitely implied, haven't we, that any young people listening to this about to make important life decisions don't rush into it. Yeah. Well, other than that, all all I can think I've is learned that nothing. Great. I feel like we've had some original thoughts, but I just th- think that people, are, like you said last week, are let down by traditional politics. And, mm. like, you know, I think it's important that we work between the options that are available to think about the things that are important, to continue to question things, and, you know, think originally, think very cleanly. As, as we go on into this weird future, it's really important that you can think quite logically about stuff. So, you know, work on those logical faculties and think about all the outside issues surrounded by things. and before you make up your mind about how you feel most issues are very complicated and just coming back to what I was talking about before about my uh, lovely uh, morning waking up and reading Hitler's Wikipedia page <laughs> Hitler's <laughs> yeah yeah no I've, I've silenced that um, it's it, it, I would actually recommend Side-eyed. it because it's, it's interesting to see um, to, to read the story um, of you know he, he sort of makes some he's kind of he's kind of finding his way in life politically or you know he doesn't do well at 
at school or university or whatever, and he's trying to find his place uh, as, a, as a painter or whatever. Um, and then you sort of see him make some political kind of progress. You get, you know, military progress and then political, and then he gets knocked back, and then he's got he's arrested for a little bit. When he sort of doesn't give up, and and, you, and it was interesting sort of seeing the kind of the changing and the movement of of all of that stuff and the way uh, everything kind of aligned itself mm. so that somebody like him could rise to power and that as he was rising to power he was really strategic and intelligent about the way he dismantled his opponents mm. uh, and just you know he didn't just shoot everyone he very carefully pulled apart the regulations and the and the oversight and the parts of um, the the government system so that he could eventually stand unopposed and it took it took years for him to get to that position and it's just interesting reading about that in the context of, of what's happening yeah. right now and the things that are being dismantled around us. Uh, yeah, so I just feel like the narrative has shifted from 2010 when there was like popular protests, Occupy movements, and it seemed like politics was going to get more interactive on the different mediums that people can communicate and people can share their ideas. And it just seems like there's some people in the background saying, no, we need to shift the narrative. It's going to be about like demagogues. It's going to be about like turning people against each other. It's going to be about um, inciting their prejudices and like seeing what what smash and grab we can make during this sort of last stand of the, of, well, hopefully what will be the last stand of patriarchy really. Like, But I hope people get wise to it and, and realize that love is more important and, you know, thinking cleanly and, and thinking logically and not getting sucked into like these manipulative methods of thought that just seem to be encumbering everyone's minds at the moment. Be happy, you know, but um, yeah, question question everything and, and think about your logic really. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes back around to that, doesn't it? Working together and yeah, taking yeah. care of each other. So goodbye to the to the Isle of Wight. Goodbye if you're watching on Anchor FM or listening on Anchor FM or Spotify or whatever. Hope you've enjoyed it. Should we end with the jingles back to back one more time? Uh, no. All right. Bye. See ya.